0: The best-selling book and movie The Big Short tells the inside story of how Dr. Michael Burry made a huge fortune for his hedge fund clients by betting against the real estate market and how those clients ultimately didn't appreciate him despite a huge profit. And I may be the only person in America who thinks so, but I think the clients were right and Dr. Burry was wrong. I'm Brian Ellis. I'll tell you why right now in episode 191.
1: You're listening to Self-Directed Investor Radio, America's only podcast exclusively for affluent self-directed investors, where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you receive innovative investment strategy and deadly accurate market analysis that's untainted by Wall Street and unblemished by government propaganda, all in seven minutes or less. Coming to you now from the SDI360.com studios, here's your host, Brian Ellis. Hello, SDI Nation. Welcome to the podcast of
0: Record for Savvy, self-directed investors like you. Have you ever read the book The Big Short by Michael Lewis? If not, it's a great read. I really enjoyed the movie too, which is solidly over two hours long, but feels like it is over in a flash. So I totally recommend the book and the movie. It's basically a fascinating explanation of what led up to the mortgage meltdown and how it was really just a function of greed and carelessness. Part of the story involves Dr. Burry, and he he trained as a neurologist and got the degree and was a resident, but clearly his passion was in the financial world. He had a website in the late 90s where he posted information about his stock picks and analysis leading to those picks. His picks were so good that he got the attention of some major financial players like Vanguard Investments and the prominent investor Joel Greenblatt of Gotham Capital. To condense the story just a bit, Burry quits medicine, starts a hedge fund called Scion Capital using some inherited money, and he continues to excel. His first year brought a profit of 55%. Soon he had over $500 million under management and was turning money away. And near the beginning of his his business, he attracted a large investment from Gotham Capital, who was Burry's founding investor. Now, Dr. Burry was clearly a brilliant man, clearly the reason Gotham was willing to give him millions of dollars for his value-based stock picking. But Dr. Burry spread his focus a bit. He recognized that there was a problem, and that the problem was that the booming real estate market was built on a house of cards called Easy Money, that millions of people were being given loans they couldn't afford, and they would only be able to make the payments for a year or two while the introductory teaser rates were in effect. Burry recognized that there would be huge waves of default soon after those teaser rates expired. Now, his analysis turned out to be right, really, really right. So in 2005, while real estate was still raging hot, Dr. Burry convinced Goldman Sachs to sell him credit default swaps against loans that Burry saw as risky. Goldman thought Burry was a sucker, they sold him the swaps, and two years later, Burry had profited on those swaps by more than $700 million, making his investors, including Gotham Capital, a huge fortune. Curiously, Dr. Burry quit managing money after that experience. He did make a huge fortune, and doubtlessly could have continued doing so as a money manager because he absolutely has an eye for both risk and value, which is rare. But here's the thing. Between the time Burry bought those swaps in 2005 and cashed them in for a huge profit in 07, some bad things happened. At first, the real estate market didn't decline right away, and so those swaps lost value very quickly. Then to compound the problem, Goldman and the other brokerages who were responsible for pricing those swaps didn't exactly do so in an honest way. In fact, they aggressively took advantage of the situation by pegging the value of subprime mortgages as being far higher than any reasonable person would believe, thus causing the value of Burry swaps, which were really just a form of insurance, to sink in value even though the opposite really should have been happening. Burry held on and in 2007 made a huge profit, but in 06, things didn't look good. For the first time, his fund was losing money and a lot of it, and worse yet, he was losing money on an investment, credit default swaps, that was outside of his core competency, which was value-based stock picking. Now, this didn't settle well with Burry's investors. It was a bad time, open revolt, and many of Burry's investors, including his biggest client and original investor, Gotham Capital, rather forcefully demanded that Burry exit the trades and return their money. It was a very bad time at Scion Capital, for sure. Burry had never experienced losses before, and now he had investors who were losing confidence in him aggressively and wanting their money back, so he took an extreme step. He invoked a provision in his investor agreement that allowed him to delay the right of his investors to withdraw their capital, and that, of course, caused a huge problem as well with lawsuits flying and tempers flaring and a generally awful situation. When it was all said and done, it turned out that Dr. Burry was right. He made a huge fortune and so did his investors, but Burry decided to get out of the business of capital management, largely it appears because he felt unappreciated. The movie closes with Dr. Burry sending an unsolicited email to Gotham Capital that said simply, you're welcome. Okay, so here's the thing. The entire movie is set up to narrowly cast the blame for the mortgage meltdown on Wall Street, and there's certainly lots of blame there, though it's abundantly clear that the real blame belongs to good old Uncle Sam in the years leading up to it. But the movie also makes a point of glorifying Burry and the fact that he was right and his big evil investors were wrong and that they profited from his talent and never said thank you. My friends, Burry's investors were right and Burry was wrong. The fact that he was ultimately profitable is not the relevant factor. I've told you over and over again on this show that as self-directed investors, we must use the S3 standard to judge all of our investment choices, simple, safe, and strong. Those words have some subjectivity for sure because we're not all the same, but the real issue is that Dr. Burry did something that was very different with his client's capital than his history suggested he should do. Dr. Burry was a brilliant stock picker, brilliant is an understatement, but he had no substantive experience trading credit default swaps. He wasn't a real estate or mortgage investor, and he wasn't really well-connected in that world. In short, he had only purely academic reasons to think his hypothesis would prove out. And it did prove out, of course, to his and his investors' financial benefit. But even though he was profitable, even though he was right on that investment in an astounding, career-defining kind of way, he did something wrong. He did not respect the capital of his investors. It wasn't that he didn't comply with his legal commitments to them. He certainly did. But he quite substantially showed disrespect for their own judgment when he made a major shift in direction. And for an entire year, the objective evidence was that Dr. Burry was really wrong. And his fund was hemorrhaging tens of millions of dollars in 2006. Dollars that belonged to his clients, not to him. Again, Dr. Burry was proven right on the finances in the end. But that's not the issue. You see, if an investment causes you to worry, that's a bad investment. The financial results just don't justify worry. It means that either the investment is just a bad idea overall, or maybe that you're using money in the deal you can't afford to lose. Either way, consistent, ongoing stress from an investment means it doesn't feel strong to you. And whether we like it or not, those feelings are what brings stress. And stress isn't a good thing. Take it from a guy who had a heart attack at the tender age of 39. And uh, I learned some really, really hard lessons about simplifying life and reducing stress as a result of that. Now, to be clear, I admire Dr. Berry. I wish I had his intellect, but he didn't respect his investor's capital, and he provides a great case study for why it's so important that you work only with people who really, truly do respect your capital just as much as you do. And my friends, invest wisely today
1: and live well forever. Thank you for listening to Self-Directed Investor Radio with Brian Ellis.